Welcome to The Real Deal, where God, His purposes, and His people are celebrated. I'm Rachel Inouye, bringing you encouragement through real life, people, and their stories. It's The Real Deal. Hey, let's get started. I'm really excited to be here today for The Real Deal podcast. I have Dave Wager joining me, and I am up north, way up north. I don't even know where I am. I just drove a while (laughs) in my car, and I'm at Silver Birch Ranch. I'm actually in a real studio. It's exciting. Sometimes I um, record the podcast in my closet, just so you know, Dave. There you go. Yeah, and there's I a have... lot of uh, there's a lot of absorbing in there. You, you got if you, especially if you're having cotton clothes. It's the perfect place. That's I actually right. had a sound guy come in and say, "This is where you should be. It's an inner part of my house." You know what? You know what? Some of the best sound absorbing material is what moving blankets. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to hang those around my office yeah, when I first damping. started. I would hang them from the ceiling around my desk while I, when I first got into radio. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Okay, so I'm going to start the way I always start the podcast, and that is just getting people used to your voice, which, by the way, your voice is like caramel, and I love it. I don't it. know about that. Yes, it is. It's a good one. But I've always had it, so it doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so good. So you answer these, and there's no right or wrong. And so don't overthink it. Just answer them as fast as you can. Would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert? I'm right in the middle. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee and tea. Okay. Dog, cat, either, neither. Neither. Morning bird or night owl? Morning. Books or movies? Books. Silence or music? Silence. Leaned in or laid back? Um, flexible. Okay. Do you prefer shower or bath? Shower. Are you the driver or passenger? Driver. Okay. I think I could have guessed some of these yeah. without knowing you, you know, really well. So just so you know, thank you. That gets everybody used to that caramel voice. Okay. And um, I'm so thankful. I'm not sure what a caramel voice means. A caramel voice is just like if I were a soft serve ice cream, I would want oh, all of that over. It's, okay, that's do you, fine. I don't know if you remember the first time we met, but I said, hey, by the way, you should do radio. No, no, I don't. But <laughs> We were standing in the line of the dining hall, and you go, well, actually, like in your deep yeah. voice, well, actually, I do. Yeah. Well, what, what's fun for me is I, I can go places and I like being incognito, but then when I talk, people know who I am. Yes. So normally I try not to even talk in public. So it's like, don't say anything. Just be there. <laughs> okay. So this is called The Real Deal. Okay. And the reason it's called The Real Deal is my father always encouraged all of his girls, there's just four of us, I'm the baby, just to be the real deal. Don't try to pretend to be anybody else. Be who you are. God didn't make you on accident. He made you on purpose right. and, and be the real deal. And his name is R.D., Richard Dean. And so R.D., the real deal. And he was my first guest at 88 years old. So do you know somebody that was authentic? They were the real deal. Maybe they were rough around the edges. Maybe they were whatever, but they were in their own skin, super comfortable. Who was that in your life that was the real deal? Do you have an example of someone? You know what? I, I think that most of the people that were actually influential on me were. Yeah. You know, I, I played football and hockey in college. Yeah. Coaches are always a real deal. They, they take you and they grab your helmet and they say, you stink. <laughs> and then you're looking at them going, I think you just hurt my feelings. I don't care. Yeah. Here's what you have to do differently. And, and I think those who, I, I learned more in sports. I went to Wheaton College. And okay. The, they don't like hearing this, but. I learned more on the football field than I ever did in the classroom mm, because good. the real deal was there. I mean, when you messed up there, nobody said, oh, we still think you're precious. Yeah. What they said was, <laughs> get over there and fix that. Yeah. And you can fix it, and here's how you do it. And so you always knew where you stood. Yep. Where in other situations, you didn't. And, and I think, too, my dad was a pastor, and he was the real deal. And there's a lot of guys in my life that we grew up with that are, were just blatantly honest. We were great friends. Mm. And... Uh, 
you know, your honesty doesn't mean you can't be friends with somebody. Exactly. So I think that most of my close friends, my co- I had a, a single college roommate for four years, a hmm. uh, guy that I grew up with in um, our church youth group and that kind of thing. Okay. We went to college and, and we actually left in 81 and started the year on work together, my wife and his wife and himself and another guy I played football with. And I think all those guys are the real deal. Yeah. They, all, they all were. How did that influence you as you grew? Well, I, I, I think you have to have people around you that are realistic. I was actually in a wheelchair as a kid at the time. What? Um, so I was uh, operated on by the head of Shriners Cripple Hospital, which I know people get offended when you use the word cripple, but that was the name of the hospital. That's right. So uh, for a while, I was in and out of wheelchairs. And today, I don't think it's a big deal. Whatever my defect was, yeah. I don't think it's that big of a deal because okay. of science and medical improvements. Okay. But back then, I was um, somebody that wasn't really normal. I mean, I got cut from a no-cut baseball team. Wow. I, I was that bad. <laughs> so there are things in my life where I look back, and, and you know, my dad loved me, my brother did, but I always thought, well, they're family, they have to. Oh. You know, I mean, they just have to do that. So they're stuck with this defective package mm. in some respects. So I, I think as, as life unfolds itself, now I look back on all those moments. Yeah. And, and they are fantastic moments where God was molding me into somebody who speaks to young people all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can sit with a kid in a wheelchair. And they know immediately somehow I identify with them. Right. You know, and I can also know what it's like uh, to stand on a football field and have everybody cheer your name and be one of those guys. It just God allowed me to go both ends of the spectrum and uh, to have people around me through those years that were honest. Um, You had to be honest if you were a handicapped person Mm -hmm. with what you can actually do and can't do. You you know, the, the world's full of dishonesty. Uh, watch an interview from an athlete. Mm. And, and they say, you can do anything you put your mind to. And I said, no, you can't. <laughs> that is one of the dumbest lines I ever heard in my life because you can't. Yeah, certain limitations no, no I, matter who. I will never be a ballet dancer. You know I mean? <laughs> there are yeah. certain things in life that you're not made to do. That's true. I'm not going to be a gymnast. Us football players, we have huge legs. Right. We don't swing around bars easy. Right. You know, right. if you look at gymnasts, they have little legs and huge arms. Right. So there are some things that you're not going to do no matter how dedicated you are. Right. So, I, you know, I think you need people around you. Yeah. Uh, a quick story about a, a high school coach. Um, I remember once I was going to a high school, my high school, and I was swimming because my legs were bad, so I didn't think I'd do anything else. And I swam first few years, and I became very close to the swimming coach. And uh, he was one of the honest guys in life. Yeah. So my junior year, I... I I'm actually the same size I am today as I was my junior in high school. So I had a growth spurt and all that. And yeah. Doctors said you could play football now, so I started to. But the, the football coach came to me and said, you know what? We want you to quit swimming and concentrate on football. And I went and told my swimming coach that. And he goes, hey, Dave, can I tell you something? Sure. You're not going to be a professional athlete at anything. Oh. So why don't you do as many sports as possible and enjoy them? Mm. rather than trying to concentrate on being really great at one when you're not going to make it. And I looked at him and said, thanks. And that's what I did. I played both sports yep. and, yep. and actually quit football that year because I never I wanted to play, but I thought, this coach, he's not honest like that coach. Okay. I went with the honest guy. Okay. Um, and since then, I've played you know, football, hockey in college, and I've seen some professional athletes, and I know what he means. I'm not one of them. Okay. Yep. And I mean, they're, yep. they're freaky different in yep. a good way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're really, really freaky different. Yep. I'm not freaky different. So he's right. I, 
those athletes that get up and say you can do anything? No, you can't do anything. And uh, not only that, but I love the fact that I can look back and see in my dad, my brother, these coaches, people in my life who I could trust would tell me the truth. Okay. So that I could adjust my life properly. Otherwise, you can't adjust your life because you're listening to all these lies it's around you. So good. So so good. So the the just even the few minutes that we've been talking, I think honesty is a premium in your life, no matter what. Would you agree? Uh, it is. is the thing s- you got to do is rein your thoughts in because people aren't used to that. True. So you got to you got to figure out how you say it because they're not used to you being honest, and we live in a world where very few people are honest. True. So it guided you. You were so glad for the people who were honest with you. Right. How easily do you turn the coin? And are you, like you said, you have to rein it in, but are you just like really frank with people typically? I, I am. Yeah. But I think I'm simple frank. Okay. In other words, I don't want to be complicated. Okay. Um, yeah. So young, they know where you stand. Right. I'll say things like this. If you're disappointed with God, you don't know him. And then I'm going to move on. And I'll make them chase me because it's like, I'm not going to go into all the details yeah. with you. I'm just going to be very frank with you for this moment. You know, I mean, I had a young man come to me. He went through Nicolay Bible Institute, which is the one-year college up yeah. here. And, and he, after it all, he came to me and said, you know, Dave, and I, and I mentored him. And he said, I'm, I don't want God anymore. Okay. And I said, well, that's really your problem. And he looked at me and I, I said, do me one favor then. Call me in five years and tell me how your life's going. Because... I'd like to hear how it's going without God. Yeah. And he looked at me and he was upset with me, but then he left. Mm-hmm. And about three years later, I got a phone call. He was homeless, an alcoholic, drug addict. And he said, my life's not going well. I told you I'd call you. Here's the call. Okay. What was really incredible about it was now he is. He's got married. He's going to church. He's now turning his life around. Yeah. There's some scars from those years and, right. and there will be, but it was interesting and still is how he used the very frank discussion I had with him at our last discussion yes. and saying, well, you can choose this, but I think it's stupid. And I think that if you call me in five years, you're going to regret making that decision. Now, I gave him a hug, yeah. said goodbye. Yeah. But I think that's the frankness that yep. I, I don't know, you know, some might think, well, that's overly frank. Well, you know, if I don't have a relationship with you, I'm probably not going to be that frank because right. I don't know who you are. Right. But I mentored this young man. Right. I don't know what else to say except for you just rejected everything I've said. Exactly. You know what I mean? So let me acknowledge that. Right. And either you're right or I'm right. We'll see in the end. And if you really had been given the um, opportunity to mentor, then you were to pour into his life anyway. Right. And so even at that point, you still did what the agreement was. I'm going to yeah. pour into your life and yeah. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what I believe is the real deal. Yeah, I don't think I have the right to do that to somebody I don't have any relationship with. I think I need to be, that's why I said, I think you need to allow the spirit to guide you because, you know, I don't have the right to go into somebody's life who I don't know and lecture them about life that I don't even know what their life is. Exactly. exactly. So mostly there, I want to stay general. Like, well, if you're disappointed with God, you don't know him. And I can stay there in that yeah. realm. Yeah. And they can ask me about that if they want. Right. But, but I'm still going to stay more right. general, but still truthful. Yeah. Because we do. We have authority in certain areas and certain places, but, you know, nobody had the authority to come in and spank my kids. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. not their authority realm. That's not their metron. That's not their place right. where they are in exactly. control of that. Um, so going back to some of the people in your life, you said you, you mentioned that you have a dad and a brother. Do you have any other siblings? No. Okay. And did you have a mom figure? I did. Okay. Yep. Is she still alive? No. 
No, okay. my dad died about 30 years ago, heart attack, very quickly. Oh. And my mom died very slowly okay. with uh, several strokes over many, many years. Mm. Um, and again, it was one of those things when you look back on it, you go, you know, Lord, you needed me to experience both because of the teaching opportunities you've given me. I can relate to people who lose somebody quickly. Yeah. And I can relate to people who go through a long, hard death. Mm-hmm that you're watching somebody deteriorate every day that you see them. Yeah. And again, we're going through that with my wife's. Uh, her, her mom just died very suddenly, and her dad is, is uh, about 90 years old and you know, struggling with Parkinson's, and it's tough to watch. Yeah. But we've already been there, mm-hmm. and this is real life. I mean, that's what happens. And so, um, you know, I, I think Christians through time have tried to say that, you know, aren't we joyful about it? And the truth of the matter is, this stinks. Yes. So we need to say it stinks Amen. and then say, you know, the Lord is the one that will give us strength to go through it. And, right. and he told us this stuff was going to happen. Right. So since we should be prepared for it, let's act like we're prepared for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we're not, let's figure out why and get prepared for the next one. Because this, is, this cycle of, of separation and death is not going to stop. It's not going to And it's not going to ever be easy. So. Prepare for it. And, and actually to be a Christian who allows themselves to go through those things and be honest about it, that it right. stinks. Because if we shove everything down, we're not actually going to be able to go on for long, maybe for a period of right. time, but then there will be a crash because we shoved it down and tried to pretend that we were, because um, joy doesn't mean the circumstance were good either. No. So it, I think I heard a um, woman say that her, son was so upset when their dog died and she was tempted to have him like get past it fast yeah but he sat on the porch and he just cried and he cried and he cried he's so sad about the family dog then he wipes his tears goes okay let's bury him yep and then the next day he was fine but he went through the process even as a young kid and was allowed to truly grieve i mean it sounds silly as a pet but it's just an example of not um, acting yeah. like, oh, everything's fine. My pet just died. Yep. No, you're sad. Be sad. And, and there are people that are really good at guiding you through those kinds of things. Um, you know, I'm not a pastor, so I don't play pastor. Yeah. I mean, I. It's not your role. But my dad and my brother are, were. Okay. My dad was, my brother is, and they're great at it. Yeah. You know, they go into a hospital room and they grab somebody's hand and they look at them. And mm-hmm. I go in and say, You're dying. You get to see Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's it, your there's role. a whole different mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Um, now, because I'm 63 now, I, when I go in, I will imitate one of them. <laughs> Just because I know that their style for that is probably correct. Okay. My style, as honest as it may be, <laughs> is not always a good bedside manner. <laughs> or helpful at the time. Or helpful. So <laughs> I think there are times where I do kick into somebody else's personality because I've watched them. Yeah. And I've seen they're very good. So I know what to do. I can go into a hospital, grab a guy's hand and pray with him. I mean, I can do that right. and I can leave it there yeah. because even though I want to say something else. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, honesty is very good, but I also think we have to, uh, as an old teacher, I had a rule. If you didn't learn, I didn't teach you. Okay. And uh, it's not my intentions in somebody else's life that matters as much. It's did I accomplish what we needed to or was I a barrier because of my personality? Mm, mm, mm. And so if I'm, if I'm a barrier because of my personality, then I should find somebody else who isn't, who can do the same thing. Or I need to imitate somebody else yeah. at that moment because the goal is still, I want this person to rejoice if they're sick and dying in the Lord, and I want them to yeah. 
to see the brightness of the future, and I want them to know they're not alone. And some of them you can be very direct with, and some of them I think you need to more, be more, for lack of a better phrase, pastoral with yes. them. Yes, um, and, I, and I wouldn't want to lie to them about anything. Right. But at the same point, you know, it's like, no, think about how you can be honest, but do it within the proper context. Uh, a five-year-old, a 90-year-old, an 18-year-old, yep. you might... Yep. Say it differently to each of them. Same message, different packaging. Right, and so you have to think about the adjustment factor. Exactly, yeah. the adjustment factor for sure. Some of it is that you've been influenced by enough people that you then can carry on different roles. Yeah. It doesn't mean you've shifted into like, like one of those sci-fi things where you're no longer Dave Wager, right. but you're a version of yourself right. through the influence of others, which I think is you know, and vital. changes. Yeah, and Paul says that like when we're talking about being a witness to people, that you become all things to all men so that you may win some. So that's not saying you don't get to be you. You just know, okay, these people need it this way. These right. people need it that way. So that's yeah, My wife aware. will often tap me on the knee or something if I'm going somewhere and just say, be grandfatherly. Oh, she lets you know your hat. No, yeah, she <laughs> what says, hat to wear. this is how you should be looking at this group. You should not be uh, lecturing them, yelling, screaming, because yeah. you can do that too. Yeah. So if she taps me and says, be grandfatherly, I know what that means. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. means be grandfatherly. Yeah. I mean, you can say the same things, yep. but say it in a way like a grandfather would to a grandchild and not yep. in a way that you might have said it when you were talking to your teammates on the football field. You know right. what I mean? There's a, a, the message might be the same, but you, you adjust how you say it. Yeah. Let's pause a second. If you are enjoying The Real Deal with Rachel in a way, subscribe, rate, and review it. I appreciate your support. All right. Back to The Real Deal. So you have the um, ability to change things. You've had people in your life that were the real deal. Mainly honesty, I'm hearing, is a, is a big factor in yep. your life. Did you ever have a scar from something that was totally lies or dishonesty? That, I mean, I don't know that there's one. but Sure. I have a rule. Uh, as one who has been in, in charge of a ministry now for just about 40 years, everybody can do my job better. That's my, my general phrase in my head because that's true. Um, it's a human nature. We can all tell the president what he needs to do. Okay. Armchair quarterback, yes, so to speak. we can that all kind do that. Stuff. And in ministry, it's the same thing. Um, if you're the one who's a pastor or, and again, my whole life has been pastors and yes. teachers yes. who have been in charge of something. Yes. And so I've watched them get criticized all my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a pastor after a message can get criticized by yes. a third of the congregation yes. and how they said it. You're a speaker. Yep. When you're done, you can get yep. criticized. Right. I, I frankly don't even, for myself and things, I don't even send out evaluations anymore. Yep. I don't do it. Yep. Because, you know what, I, I know at my age, and that may be arrogant, but I know, boy, I bombed that one. You know, I don't, I don't need to have 30 people yep. tell me I bombed that one. I, I did. Yeah. You know, and, and there's experience there that kicks in. But at the same point, um, I think one of the hardest things for anyone, especially uh, Christians, I believe that sometimes those who aren't believers, treat me nicer than those who are believers. Oh, yeah. Um, and in, in that factor, it's really weird because the ones who are believers, for some reason, want to make sure their voice is heard or tear yep. down your idea, whatever yep. it might be. So I think if you start with the realistic understanding that if you're in charge, it's human nature for people to know how to do your job better, mm. Mm. I then like you're not so that. bothered by it. Yeah. Because it's like, no, I expected that. 
I'm glad you and, unpacked it because at know, first I was thinking it was more like everybody could do my job better, meaning like an inferiority complex, like I can't do this well. Instead, it's that you'll take hits from somebody who will think that. Always, even if you just yeah. did something that was, yeah. you thought, very communicative, very yeah. well done. Yeah. There's going to be somebody who says, well, you should have done it this way. Yeah. And, and they say it very definitive on their part. Yeah. And like they really know what they're talking. And they might actually, yeah. you know, I don't know. But I think that's the hardest thing to go through because most of the time people are not connected with what you are, so they don't know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Almost so, to give them grace for that. Like yeah. their, their, their phrase, their comment, their criticism, let's say, hits a target, but it kind of comes out of nowhere because right. it's not really an informed thought. Right. And, and I'm not just trying to make it sound like any negativity we have to brush off, but right. it's really not an informed yeah. thought. No. Now, for example, I have narcolepsy. Okay. Seriously. I do. Um, and not only do I have narcolepsy, but people wear me out. Okay. Yep. That's the, that's the introvert side. Right. Although I will rise to whatever I need to. So if I need to act like an extrovert, I will. Okay. A trained one, a trained a, extrovert yeah, if you but, need to. But that's why people really don't know what I am because I'll do whatever the moment needs. Okay. And yep. I can be extroverted. Okay. It's just, at the end, <laughs> if, I, if I just spoke to, you know, 500 men. Yeah. I want to slip out the back when I'm done. Mm-hmm. I want to slip out the back mm-hmm. and go to bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm exhausted. Lay you down, get an IV. Right, so that's, that's what I want <laughs> yeah. to do. Yep. Um, what happens sometimes is people will say things like, well, you disappear, you don't want to talk, you don't care for us. It's like, no, you don't understand something. Um, when a meeting starts at 8 o'clock at night, I'm already fighting everything to stay awake. Yeah, yeah. And you don't understand the disease I have, and I don't necessarily need to explain it to you. Right. But the honest truth is, unless you want to get up at five in the morning and join me right after I take my medicine, yep. I'm going to work on a different way to continue to operate. Yes. Um, but I don't need to share that with everybody all the time. Mm. And so it's easy for someone to say, well, you know what? You disappear after you talk. I do. I have to regroup and I have to, and then I'm, I'll be around for the meal. Yep. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll show up again. And uh, even in your time here at Silver Retirement, you've seen me in and out. I don't, yep. I don't hang out that much. Yep. No, because I have other things. Yep. Now, what I do here in the studio, you know, is very energizing to yeah. me. So yeah. I'll come in here and spend hours yeah. doing that. We have to find those things. We have right. to find those things that are But it's easy to criticize if you don't know. I mean, if you don't understand what. So true. Um, I, you know, at my age, playing football and hockey, I have joints that just hurt. Mm. So we might be doing, we just had a big windstorm, we're picking up wood, yeah. and someone might look at me and go, why are you driving that instead of picking up wood? Yeah. Because if I pick up wood, I won't be able to move for four days. Right, right. And uh, you know it, why you know what you're doing. But I'm not necessarily wanting to tell them that. Right. I just want to participate with, yeah. in the scope that I can, but I realize human nature. Human nature is always looking, you know, I, where I realize this the most is what I used to criticize the president a lot more. Mm. And one day I'm, I'm no, you're supposed to pray for the president. Exactly. So, so I'm, I was doing what I was supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I re- then I started saying, you know, God, it, it struck me. And I think it was the spirit speaking to my heart. I'm criticizing the president for something, but I've never sat in on one of his meetings. I don't know why he made this decision. I, I've never been uh, in that inner circle of the, whoever they are that he works with. Forgive me. I don't, I don't have any right to criticize him on this. 
I have no idea what he should be doing with Israel. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. I have no idea. We don't know all the other meetings and all the other components that come and into the decision. And yet I was so quick to say the president's a bum. Yeah. You know, and I thought, God, forgive me for that. Mm. And I've been, I, and ever since that moment, I've been trying to really watch what I say. Um, whether I agree or disagree, it, it, what does it matter anyway? I'm, yeah. I'm not the president. And yep. What does it matter? Yep. But I still have that in me. I think everyone does it. I, I want to tell the world that I know more than the guy in charge. It's actually that exact thing that you said happens on your job where people say, right. oh, exactly. of course, you know, you're doing that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I heard a speaker once say that he was standing at a um, couple's retreat giving the talk, and there was a man like fourth row in that kept falling asleep. Made me think about it when you said narcolepsy. And he made a whole narrative in his mind about this couple, and this woman has to drag her bum husband here. He doesn't want to be here. He's just warming the seats. He could care less about his marriage, blah, blah, blah. As he's speaking, he's got this whole thing about this guy who's fallen asleep. He goes the whole weekend long. The gentleman that brings his wife up says, I'm so thankful to meet you. You are really important to us. You've really helped our marriage. We've read your books, da, 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 da. And I just need you to know that I recently was diagnosed with X, and I've been taking such and such medications. And one of the real bummers is the side effect is that it makes me fall asleep easily. Yeah. Do you see, the guy had the guy over here, and the whole circumstance was completely a different narrative than he had made right. in his head. And oftentimes, we go through those stories Instead of, I call it an umbrella of grace. Why yeah. doesn't everybody just live under an umbrella of grace? Because yeah. you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. And four words that changed my life I saw on an Instagram. You have no idea. Right. Or we have no idea. Or right. I have no idea. I have no idea what somebody's story is. They come in. They look one way. We have no idea what they just came in from or where, where they're going. And I think that's insightful that you would say, God, forgive me. I don't know how and why people make yeah, decisions. Yeah, but it took years to get there. <laughs> yeah, because I, 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 but you got there. For years, I thought, I know more than the president. So, I, I mean, <laughs> it, you know, and it, that happens all the time. With narcolepsy, which is a very unknown, uh, un, people don't know what it is, very rare, right. true narcolepsy. My daughters know about it. How did you find out you had it? Because you kept falling oh, asleep? You no, know, I, I have a series of things, um, had heart issues and that kind of thing, and I just couldn't. My energy level is just not... For a guy that used to play hockey and yeah, sports yeah, yeah. and do things, I, you know, I just get worn out all the time. And, and narcolepsy is a circadian rhythm problem. Okay. It's an autoimmune thing. It's related to MS. It, it's destroyed parts of my brain, so I do not have the circadian rhythm. So I have to take a medicine to wake up, and I have to take medicine to go to sleep. Okay. And so other, I, I don't have the—I'm always stuck in the middle of the night in my brain okay. for some reason. Okay. But my kids will tell you— if you're in the middle of a conversation, he closes his eyes, keep talking, he's listening. I, I listen very well with my eyes shut. Okay. And so I, and when you're done, I'll open my eyes and respond, which really freaks people out. Right. Because it looked like I just fell asleep. <laughs> but I actually was listening to everything they said, and I will respond. So it's different, and that's what people don't understand. I, if, if that's what, kind of an illustration, if I'm closing my eyes while you're speaking, I'm, I'm actually listening. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm not missing what you're saying. I'm just missing looking at you at that particular moment. So there is a, a level of understanding probably for everybody that, and, and I'm sure there are people that just fall asleep because I'm boring. You know, yeah. I mean that too. So <laughs> that, that goes on as well. That's not true. Yeah. That's not true. Okay. I want to piggyback on something you said earlier. Um, 
So you know that if you were to just pick up the logs all the time, you'd be spent instead of driving the machinery. Right. And so somebody needs to give you grace and just right. know that. Can you talk a bit about the storm? It was midsummer, right? Some June, oh, it was. July, and kind of yeah. give us a, a little bit of what happened here at Silver Birch Ranch or the area. It's not just here. No, it was about 15 miles wide, about 27 miles long. It was called a derecho. It's a where 100 mile an hour winds hit us in straight lines. And it was about 20 minutes and two straight line times the, the wind hit us and just devastated the area. That's an equivalent of a, a Category 2 hurricane is what it was. And only it was straight line instead of twisting, so all the trees go in the same direction when they fall. Um, and we've had record water in the ground, so we've had record amount of um, uh, trees that just came up from the roots because there's nothing holding them because the ground was so wet. Right. Uh, so we, we had that happen. We just got a group of junior high kids in at Silver Birch Ranch, and they came, and they were all brand new. We didn't even get the safety routine to them yet. Right. And um, uh, Jason, our program guy, realized there was a problem. And I, I had just come back. I was actually with a group of men on a men's retreat fly fishing Okay. That in another spot, the refuge that we have. And then I came back, and it, when I came back, I, I noticed we were without power. So I told my wife, Linda, I was going to, go over and see if camp was okay, and the kids were, and I went to the door, and a tree goes flying by me, and I thought, I'm not going anywhere, and then trees hit our house, put holes in the roof, and and so I told Linda, get downstairs, and of course, I stayed upstairs watching the storm, trying to get (laughs) out of here, and I couldn't. For 20 minutes, trees were flying, and I thought, you know, we have about 400 with counselors and junior high kids that just got here. I I, I thought, we need to go over to camp, and I'm going to find people dead, because the amount of destruction was unbelievable. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And there's no pictures that can even uh, display what it was. And um, we have about 60 buildings, and 36 of them were damaged. And it was absolutely a miracle that uh, when I came over, nobody was hurt. Uh, our crew got busy right away for the next 11 days, about 10-hour days, with big equipment and, and a huge logging firm here. Wow. We were able to open 11 days later. Um, and the loggers estimated without them and their big equipment, we would have been nine months before we could open again. And it was 11, 11 days. days. And nobody got hurt, and nobody's got hurt in the cleanup yet. Um, it's been a real one miracle after another. And yeah. I think the thing that we really learned through it all, again, is you hold on to things loosely. God could take them all away tomorrow anyway. So, yep. I, I mean, that's yep. one thing that's yep. true. Yep. But the other thing is your job never changes. Whether, whether you have a storm or you don't have a storm, your job is still to present who God is. And, and now our, our opportunity is to show the world who God is through the storm. That's right. Oh, no. And, and that preaches of, more than just the natural storm, doesn't it? Yeah. And that's really the way it is. And, and, and in that, there are personal storms um, that happen. Because during this time period, my father-in-law is uh, tremendously struggling with Parkinson's. Yeah. And my, a cousin of my wife's, who she's very close to, is struggling with lung cancer that's metastasized everywhere. And so you have these personal issues going on at the same time as you have the, the physical storm. Right. Uh, yesterday was funny. Linda looked at me and she said, it, now our house, you know, we're in our 60s and yeah. our house is kind of our sanctuary. It's just, right. it's usually quiet, neat, yeah. you know, that yes. kind of thing. For seven weeks, we've had nothing but a mess around our house. <laughs> And if you go there now, there are stumps that have been dug up. There are stumps that have been ground. There's a guy trying to put our roof back together. Yeah. There's stuff laying all over. And she looked at me yesterday and said, seven weeks. Yeah. I said, isn't that interesting? The, the people who really enjoy 
order private <laughs> yes. for seven weeks. You got people dying in your life. You got your house totally messed up. You got the woods totally messed up. Yep. And um, we're fine because you know that through it all, once again, God demonstrated really what nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed is you got 36 broken buildings. Your own house and your garage are broken. Yep. And that's what's changed. Right. But really, the purpose of life hasn't changed. I'm just going to use this now to do another thing. That's right. And that's what he's doing. And uh, one of the names of God, and I forget what because I'm not that smart, but it's God's the provider. Yes, Jehovah and, Jireh. Yeah, so he, and, and that's the way he is. He's yes. the provider. So you provided. wait and let him provide. That's his business. Yeah. yeah. He's provided so many people to help, too, right? Oh, it's I mean, unbelievable. One, yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, our government says they help, and, and maybe one day they will. Okay, but you would still be but waiting. But it's the body of Christ that really kicked in, Hallelujah. not not the government. Uh, we're, we were able to open in 11 days because of the body of Christ. Yes. Not only that, there, there's so many benefits. Um, we are operating in the summer. We probably have 100 volunteer high school, college kids. Yeah. Um, or minimally paid. Well, they weren't here to clean wood, but they did for 10 hours a day, 11 days yes. in a row. Yes. And one of the really side benefits that we saw was they, they took ownership of the place. You know, and, and you can't teach that. I mean, no. you can't say you got to take ownership of the place. But they did that 11 days. They became the new owners. Um, a new generation took over because they saw the devastation and they didn't run. Yep. They, they stayed to work through it. And they saw us reopen. It's so good. And the energy when we reopened was amazing because... You know, the kids were just energized by the fact that we had kids here again. Yep. And you thought, okay, you couldn't teach that. I couldn't teach nope. that without the storm. Right. So right. there there are many benefits to yep. the storm. Yep. There, there are a few downsides too, but there are many benefits to it. How about staff? Were there some benefits to staff? Sometimes something comes and it, it devastates everybody and they scatter yeah. or they become more unified. Yeah. Our, our staff, um, we've been so fortunate that a majority of our staff has been here over 25 years. Wow. This is, for several of us, our third tornado kind of thing okay. that we've gone through. Okay. The, the morning after, when we gathered for our first meeting, I asked all the young people to watch the old guys and old ladies work. Yep. I said, they will show you how to go through the storm. Uh -huh. They'll show you. Uh-huh. Because um, they immediately kicked into a gear that mm -hmm. said, okay, we better cut that log one at a time. We better make these calls. We better do this. And uh, I, we kind of accidentally put out a, a YouTube thing. And, um, and before you know it, there were people coming from all over to help. Oh, nice. You know, I mean, and it, it wasn't like we were deliberately planning a whole bunch of that. Yeah. yeah. But then eventually YouTube updates and that kind of thing. And yes. it's, it's very interesting now. And if anyone's listening, they just go to Silver Birch Ranch. I don't even know how to do it, but the YouTube channel for yes. Silver Birch Ranch. Okay. And they can see the sequence of how God worked. Yeah. And because we kept putting it out then what was going on at that particular time. So good because yeah. sometimes people only hear the initial story. Yeah. And they don't hear the during and the middle, and the for sure the after. Yeah. And so that's going to be really good for people to follow because that shows the God part yeah. rather than just the devastation Plus there's part. fun. I'm out there now driving a bulldozer, yeah. and a any, <laughs> any male wants to drive a bulldozer at one point in his life. They want to go push things around, and I'm, I'm out there on our ski trails. Just a friend of ours has a bulldozer he's lending to us, and I'm out there just pushing dirt. You know, I mean, and thinking, oh, this is fun. Yeah, like Tim the Tool Man? Yeah, I am. I'm, go, I, yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, not bad. 
So yeah. there are some benefits to That's the whole thing. It's so good. Not that I planned on ever being a bulldoze driver. Right. But now my, my wife knows I pray, I, I've coined a new phrase. Okay. I'm dozing. I'm going to doze. <laughs> I'm dozing. And for a narcoleptic guy, <laughs> that could have several meanings. I was just going to say. Yeah, I'm going to go doze for a couple but hours. But you don't want to doze. While you're dozing. No. You know what? That I don't, would not be good if you fell asleep yeah. while you're... <laughs> I, I, I don't know what other people who have narcolepsy are like, but that's... You know, that's it's not yours? No. That, you know when you're tired enough and you just stop and take a moment. So okay. I, I don't know that... Of course, I'm Swedish. Uh, yeah. So we have... So I flatline my emotions. So, <laughs> so not good. So <laughs> that's good for narcolepsy, by the way. Because it, yeah, the, the, you don't get the higher out. and lower is what causes it to kick in. So it could be a whole defense mechanism that you flatline. Uh, not, not that it's, not that you wouldn't. I mean, I, again, I played hockey and football. Yeah. Those are not calm sports. No. So, but I, I have learned, and I think I am rather calm at this stage in life. And I think a lot of it might be the adjustment to a disease that you didn't even know you had to. Yeah. You were 50. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, like sometimes people have a dietary thing or whatever, and they say, well, I just don't eat it. Well, don't you crave it? Yeah, but if I do, I feel right. this way so i've learned and now right. you've learned to sort of flatline yeah i'm not and sure i just blame it on swedish <laughs> i heard you say that the yeah, other day yeah. to the audience well i'm 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 mostly scandinavian yeah i took that little genetic test and i'm i'm mostly you know swedish and yeah danish and norwegian and 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 then i do have some irish in me so okay. that comes out once in a while just a little bit of irish yeah. Yeah. no italian though no Which Italian. really, Italian yeah, and Greek, I could hands. really go nuts with, if I was Italian <laughs> or Greek, but I'm not. So I know, politically incorrect, write her, tell her it's politically incorrect. No, it's all fine. So you have been across the table from me this whole time, and you are not Italian because you've not used your hands. No, but I, so... I do speak with my hands when I speak. Do you really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but when I am in the studio, I tend to fold my hands. Yeah. Okay, tell me a That's little... That's a grandfatherly thing. That's a grandfather. Tell me a little bit about this studio, because I walked in... And you explained it to me, and it's, it's got a background, and it's got some really interesting elements. It's yeah. neat how God provides. Well, I, you know, I'm always looking for ways to, uh, one, one of the goals I have at my age now, I've been in ministry and been in a ministry family, so I've seen a lot, I've experienced a lot. So the goal now is, at this stage in life, is to give away everything that I've learned. There you go. So you've got to give it away. So I'm always looking for ways to give it away. And one way to give it away, obviously, is, uh, you know, you can write, I have a thought for the day that I send out to anyone who wants it. It's one of those things. Yeah, and you do a three-minute thing it, here it, from here, I too. do a three-minute thing from here. Um, What's it called? I do, it's called um, uh, Thinking Aloud. Okay. Um, and then there's, uh, I do a, a nighttime one where it's a half-hour uh, broadcast that basically, you know, I, I just want people to think as they're going to sleep and unscramble their mind. Mm. Um, here's what happened. Here's how that one came. I, when I was in high school, I was growing up in Chicago, and there was a, a, a station that no cool kid listened to. It was from Moody Bible Institute, okay. and nobody would listen to that if okay. you were in high school because only old square people listened oh, to that. Oh, okay, yeah, the Moody station. Uh, yeah, the Moody station. You wouldn't want to listen to it. But, uh, I mean, the alternative was you go to sleep listening to the Beatles or the yeah. Rolling Stones or yeah. something like that. So it's like if I went to bed, what happened is I was – I was anxious and crabby and self-centered. And mm. then one day I'm flipping through the channel and I heard this voice that said, good evening. And I said, who are you? You know, and yeah. it was Moody. And it was, uh, his name was Chuck Wagner. Okay. Everyone thinks it was Bill Pierce or somebody else. It wasn't. It was before okay. all those guys. Okay. And his name was Chuck Wagner. And he did this, I think it was called Night Sounds. I know Not that. Night Sounds, Night. 
I know the I name Night Sounds. No, that's Bill Pierce, I think. But anyway, it was this guy in Night Something. And he always played Claire de Lune when it started. Okay. So he played Claire de Lune, and, and then he just talked for like a half hour. Mm. And uh, he had some music and that kind of thing. But I found in high school when I listened to him, yes. when I went to sleep, my whole life was different. Because mm. I, I must have thought things while I slept. And I, I thought, you know, if I can ever do something like that, I would. So I started one myself. Starts with Claire de Lune. Does it? So I just stole everything from okay, the guy. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, Format. I don't know. He's probably dead a long time That's ago. Right. I, I steal everything, so I don't have any original anything. <laughs> That's not true. So, it's called influence. Yeah. But I, so I play Claire de Lune, and I just start by saying, good evening. Mm. And I talk for a half hour. It's my, one of my favorite things to do because very calmly, in a grandfatherly way, I talk about every issue, whether it be homosexuality or marriage. or I just talk about it. Nobody can argue. I'm just talking calmly. And I'm saying, here's, here's the way it is. Here's what it says. And then at the end, I say, good night. And I'm done. And Claire de Lune fades out. Okay. And, um, and so that's one of the things that I just love doing is, is, is nighttime. And then the last one is younger, older. There's some younger guys here that I meet with. And I think that um, it's a, another half-hour podcast. And, and some of these are also on various radio stations. Yep. But um, I just think that we don't sit around across the table from younger, older people don't do it enough. So good. So we just do that. I take one of the younger guys in here and start talking with them. And we do that 28 minutes, really, because it has to be a half-hour radio. Right. So right. that's how that works. So, um, but I was uh, messing with all this stuff. I, I, I did a 10-minute one for years for another channel with uh, missionary Don Shire. And I, um, and I think we did that for 25 years, actually, wow. where we just did it. We call it Conversations. Yeah. And so I, I, I was in this makeshift studio, and really that's why I told you before, you can use moving blankets because they right. work well. Yep. And I was using every bit of equipment that camp was throwing out. Yes. So yes. if they had a mixer board that only, that had two channels bad, but had two that were still good, I took that. Yep. Took the old mics, took yep. the old. Salvage yard kind oh, of thing. Oh, this things. studio was, was unbelievably um, um, redneck. Okay. Is what it was. Yeah. And so. Um, one day a guy walked in that hears me on the radio and he was just saying hi and he was a, a, a builder and he was looking around and he said, can I help you with something? I said, yeah, this table keeps falling apart. If you want to make me a table, okay. I'd love a table that doesn't fall apart. Yes. And he looked, you know, I'm going to just make you a studio. So, oh. so he actually paid for this studio to be here. And then when I told him we wanted to do some video as well, he added on a video part. Yes. And, uh, and so that's the story of how this came to be. It yeah. was really a, a God deciding. All right, why don't I give you something that is actually enjoyable to work in? Yes. And so now this is an enjoyable place to work in. I can come in here. I don't waste a whole lot of time because everything's always set up. So good. And now I'm done with that part if I can be done with it. So now I have a hard time doing what you do where I do it yes. everywhere. Yes. Because it's like, no, it's too hard to get set up now. So now I can just come in here. And, yeah. Well, you have it. Yeah. And I even leave a computer in here on. Okay. And where I'm going. So I just come in and hit the button and yeah. we're back into it. Well, when I asked if you would be willing to do it, I was picturing myself setting up something in one of the cabins or yeah. find your office or whatever, hopefully not have it be, you know, a cavernous building yeah. or two area. And you said, no, how about if you just come over to the studio? So I'm sitting in the studio that has beautiful lighting and it has sound proofing things everywhere. There's a little glass window in one side because the video section is on the other side. But it is ideal for this setting. Yeah, you notice that window's on an angle. It is. Yeah. That's because that's what you need to keep sound bouncing. You don't want it to bounce flat. So good. 
Yeah, that's just weird because uh, I came in and said that window's on an angle. Yes, that's what you want. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, good. They built <laughs> it and fine. they knew what they were doing. They did. So good. Yep. And that's, again, the body of Christ. It People is. know you need to have a need and they'll, yeah, or a desire. So. And it's God yep. because he gives us what we desire. I, way beyond even. I mean, yep. way beyond. At times you look at life and you go, you know, my dad always taught us that God would provide what you needed. Yeah. So if you have a need, you can count on it. Yeah. But be careful not to make your wants a need. True. Because some people say, God didn't answer, I, I have this need. And it's like, that's not even a need. Yeah, that was your want. That was your want. And so I never know really how to play that one. Because yeah. if I'm praying, I go, God, I could really use a studio. And it's like, yeah, but I have one here. Right. So but he's a good I don't, dad. Yeah. And he provides things. I mean, my, my kids, I remember when they were really young, one of my sons wanted <clears> to know <throat> if we could make dirt, which is pudding and Oreos right, and you put these right. gummy worms in them and you serve it with, you know, little um, shovels or whatever. Right. I had already all the groceries in the cart. I was ready to check out. He wasn't whiny. He was just like, could we make dirt? Yep. And he, I knew what he meant, the edible dirt. Right. You know, I'm like, why not? And it says in scripture, if you who are evil know how to give good give yep. gifts to your kids, or then how much more would your heavenly father? And I don't have any trouble with the fact that God's a lavish, good God yep. who gives us Beyond what we could ask, that's our prayer life. And imagine that's our dream life. He's right. good at it. And right. he, it delights him. Just it like does. it delights me to be kind and give good things to my kids. It does. But I, th I think you even as a mom would, if, if, a, if a child came and they were um, entitled and... Belligerent about yeah, something. It, it would change how you do that. Yeah. yeah. It's not that you wouldn't want to help and right. be... It would just change. Right. And, and I think that's, I think, the balance for us, to come to God and be able to say, I know you're God, I'm Dave. I yes. know that. Yes, yes, And, you know, I know you could provide this, and you, you would, yeah. but help me be satisfied with what you've given me. Right. Contentment is huge. And, and then I think either God, for your own sake, leaves you have what you have, so that he says, mm. are you really content? Mm. Or he gives you something else. And I think... Um, it starts with contentment, no matter what situation you're in. And then, yeah, he gives you things at times that are way beyond. This studio is way beyond it is, uh, anything that I would design myself and mm -hmm. do myself. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes he just wants to give us really good things right. because it reflects how good he is. Right. And when you're ready to give him the glory and the thanks for it, right. you know, that's, a, that's a good deal. Right. Okay, I want to go to um, how long you've been here personally. And something about how long you've been married, because I think marriage is something God's yeah. all for. Yeah. I, I came here because I had to when I was a kid, because my dad started it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. See, I yeah. was going to ask you. So in 1967, in November, he walked the grounds. He was, he was a pastor in the Chicago area in the inner city. Oh, okay. And actually was a kid. His dad was an alcoholic, so my grandpa was a, a, a pretty vicious alcoholic. My dad came to Christ as a young man from some old lady that told him to go to Sunday school, and he did. <laughs> and, um, but then he got involved with the guys who started Awana at the Northside Gospel Center. And he was actually the first employee for Awana. And he started, he wrote all their books and started the Olympics for him and did all that kind of stuff. Um, and then he left Awana and went to be a, a youth pastor at uh, Midwest Bible Church and started a school there and started a camp, Phantom Ranch, in the southern part of the state. And yeah. So he's, if you go to Phantom Ranch, all the, all the buildings are the same names as ours. Oh, yeah. The, the motto's the same. Yeah. Yeah. He even wanted to take the logo, but they wouldn't let him when he left. So They're dear friends of ours yeah. at Phantom Ridge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my dad was the youth pastor who was at Midwest Bible Church okay. in Chicago. And he's the one that started the, the school there, Midwest Christian Academy. 
and and the camp. Uh, he was their director, the first director. Okay. And then he left there and went to a church in Lawndale area, which is even more inner city in Chicago. And and, and that's where this camp came out of because he always felt he needed a camp to work with the city kids for evangelism and and uh, and for leadership development. So they'd all get on a bus. They they back then they did. We we took church buses that yep. broke down most of the time. <laughs> you know, took them up here. Um, and I was 11 years old that year. And so um, even though I'd always been at camp all my life, because even when he didn't have one, we were somewhere with kids. Okay. Because my family's very ministry minded. Yep. And he used to say in the summer they're off, that's when you need to go with them. Yep. I mean, don't take off in the summer, which is a different philosophy of churches today. Yeah. Uh, but back then it was, no, that's when we got to kick it in because they've got all summer to do something. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was always at a camp, and 11 years old, we started up here, and so I'm 63 now, so that's how many years I've been here. Wow. And then uh, in 81, I graduated from college in 78, um, got married in, in 1980, and I always tell people, get married in a zero year so you can remember how many years you've been <laughs> married. Otherwise, you got to do math. But if, because Start it's 80, I can go fingers. 80, 90, 2000. I got it. I got it. I got it. Coming up, coming up at uh, 2000, you know, 2020, it'll be 40 years. Wow. So Congratulations. It, yeah, I can do the math real quick. There you go. Um, and my, uh, my roommate in college, he got married a week after we did. And he was my roommate for uh, four years. And then um, uh, a guy I played football with who recently just died, unfortunately. He, was a, he became a missionary eventually in Africa, was a translator, and had a heart attack less than a year ago now mm -hmm. uh, while he was in Africa. Uh, and he came up and another friend who came out of the military. So there were six of us in 81 who had decided uh, five of us were teachers from, that went to Wheaton together. Yep. And we all quit our jobs and came up here in 1981 and just started the year on work. Because we, we thought that's what God would have us do at the time. And uh, I must have drawn the short straw. All the rest of them moved on, but I stayed. <laughs> and, um, and so now it's been since 81 that we've been here uh, living full time. And then my dad died about 30, I don't know, five years ago. Mm -hmm. And before that, he turned over the, the directorship to me. And then I've since have appointed other directors, and I'm, I'm now had the Title president, which okay. means I don't do anything. That's, I just no, I just kind of sit around and watch everyone else do things. <laughs> that's not true. But that's that's pretty much. But that's really a good plan to leave a succession of people, anyway, is to not have your hands on all of it for you know what I mean. To oh yeah, you have different directors. Yeah, you can't do that. Now people always take this wrong, but one one of the most important qualifications for somebody in my position is that they're not good at anything. <laughs> Because what happens then is that you get to get people around you who are good at what you're not good at. Okay. And the more that you're not good at, the more you can get really competent people around right. you. Okay. So I'm not a builder, and I'm yep. not, I'm not uh, a mechanic, and, I, and I'm not a program guy. Yep. I really am not any of those things exceptional, even though I could do all those things. And I would do all those things if nobody was here. And I did do all those things yeah. at one point. I mean, I painted buses up here at one point because oh, yeah. nobody else would. And yeah. I thought... How hard can this be? Grab a yeah. spray can and start painting. Yeah. So, but nobody would call me a, a, a painter, a spray paint <laughs> yeah. sprayer, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. they call those guys. Yeah. So, uh, when I talk to young people today who really think, you know, this is my gift, that, that's fine. You can focus on your giftedness if you want. But the bottom line really is you need to focus on God's provision and know that even if you're not the most talented at something, doesn't mean you don't do it. Right. It doesn't mean, it, it means possibly that you 
look for somebody who is talented in that area and give them the responsibility and get out of their way. Uh, my job really has been to make people successful. It isn't to do their job. It's to find people and say, here's your gift and your ability. Yeah. Um, we, we wrote a, a, a good so example good. of that is we wrote a book recently for children. Yeah. It's called My Shepherd. It's a, on Psalm 23. And uh, the way that book got written was we had a student here who was an exceptional artist and really one that I think was an exceptional um, book illustrator. Yep. Yep. And so I was talking to her one day and I said, you know, she had done one before and it didn't work out. And I was talking to her about it. And she said, well, I, I, you know, I'd love to do that. I said, well, why don't you? Yeah. Well, I don't know how to. I said, I'll write the book. You do the illustrations. How about that? Yeah. So I got together with Linda and, and we wrote a, a kid's book that was really kind of, a, kind of a kid's book, but it's really meant for like a grandparent to read to a kid. Yes, got it. And, uh, um, and she did these watercolors for Psalm 23 that are just absolutely incredible. And uh, it was published a little less than a year ago now. Nice. And it, what, you know, it's got the whole gospel in it, but it presents God as a shepherd and a loving shepherd because so many kids get the wrong idea when you call him a father at this point we'll get to the father part but let's start through the shepherd part yep. and let him see that yeah and so we take psalm 23 her pictures are are the illustrations and we've set it up so that she gets a percentage of every book that's sold because i wanted her to understand this is how it works and this is how responsible people act yes because she had been taken advantage of yes. before with, with some artwork that yes. she did and uh, and my wife and I don't take anything. We're all that money that comes from that goes into the ministry for kids here. Yep. And so the 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 whole thing that was fun was my job, regardless of whether they be a student or a staff member, is to make that person successful yep. and to get out of their way. Because if I'm trying to do all their work, I'm probably hindering them. So because good. I'm not very good at whatever they're good at. I am right. a terrible artist. I mean, really, I can't. My stick figures don't make sense. <laughs> So, and I'm fine with that. It's yeah. just, then when you see one, you appreciate them. Yes. And say, yes. would you do the artwork for yeah. this, yeah. for me? I so believe so, in that. I mean, yeah. one of the things I know that I'm on the planet to do is to encourage. And like one of my little taglines is, um, Rachel Inouye, helping people celebrate their significance and the genius of God in them. Right. People really are made for purpose. Oh, and they, they really are good at things. And you're right. Get out of their way because they are good at it. And you could paint a bus. You could, but it's better to know that somebody else can do it. I think and I, to you know, set I'm, I'm out bulldozing trails. Yes. I'm not a bulldozer guy. Right. So we can but do I'm it at willing, any point. I get it. Uh, we tell kids that come up here all the time, that toilet's plugged. You need to plunge it. Yeah. I don't care if you're gifted at it. Right. Exactly. You, there, I don't know anyone gifted at right. plunging a right. toilet. Right. So just go plunge it. Right. And I think we could probably get off balance with either of those. Like, I don't need to do any of that because I'm not gifted in it. Okay, hang on. There's a need. Go fulfill it. There's or, a lot to do that. You're not gifted in anything, which isn't true because I believe God makes, what is it? The swimmer has hands, where right. swimmer's hands. And like you were talking right. about in the sports illustration right. at the beginning, you could not be a gymnast. You no. weren't wired for it. God does wire us for oh, things. Oh, absolutely. So we're freed up when we find those things. Some people say, Rachel, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And I said, because somebody else is going to be so excited to do that part for me. Right. Like I used to call the librarian when I homeschooled my kids. And I'd say, I'm going to do a unit on X, right? right? And they'd be, I mean, they would light up like, oh, I get to go find Absolutely. books about the pilgrims. And, you know, right. and I would be there all day right. trying to figure out the Dewey Decimal System and right. get on the computer. And this lady lit up right. to do it. 
So you light up when you help other people well, be and, successful even. I, and I think that there are certain people who are really more gifted at helping others succeed, and they're not overly gifted in anything in particular then because you need that. And really, if I pick up a hammer around here and our maintenance guy sees it, he takes it away from me. <laughs> it's, not that he, it's not that I can't use a hammer. Yes. It's that he realizes that's not his thing. Let's take it away. Yeah. And I'll do it. What are you doing? Yeah. I'll do it. And one of those, it, it's hard to explain it because people think you're demeaning yourself or you're doing something. It's okay. like, no, you're not. Okay. You're just saying in life, this is the role God gave me. He, you know, he gave me a role where when we used to build buildings at camp when I was younger, my brother and my dad swung the hammer. I carried the supplies. Yes. Yes. I never learned to build a building. I learned how to carry the supplies yep. and make them successful by yep. handing them to yep. them. Yep. And my dad used to have me look at um, builders that came up and guess what they needed to try and keep them working. So good. So if they were needed in two by four, they needed nails. I was to watch the pouch. If they started grabbing for nails too long to fill yep. their pouch with nails, yep. he wanted me to anticipate, anticipate. what mm -hmm. do they need because you're not a carpenter, mm -hmm. but you can pick up nails and put it in their belt. So good. So, you know, I developed no carpenter skills and none of that. The skill I developed was watching people and helping them be successful. Yeah. That's the skill I developed. Yeah. I didn't develop any of those skills. Yeah. But to uh, anticipate and forecast what they would need and right. go at that is huge. You can, I, I don't know, but I sometimes see in pictures, I've seen you and there's a wall and you're the guy who goes like this and you put your hands together and then somebody gets their foot on that so that they can get up over whatever and they can do it better to go do whatever. And you're like, ready, 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 running down the aisle. You know what I mean? When somebody right. gives you a boost up, yep. you give them a boost up in anything, in life, in skills, in knowledge, in um, some wisdom. Just ready, yep. ready, ready, ready. And, and if you honestly are looking, if you're honestly realizing that um, other people should be recognized for what they do and not yourself, you're way ahead. You're way ahead because you can stay on that other side of the wall and keep pushing people over. Everyone you pushed over knows how they got over. That's exactly right. Yeah, you don't need to tell them. That's I was very exactly instrumental right. in your life. I helped you over that wall. That's exactly You don't right. need to tell them that. No, nope, they know. Yeah, they know. So you don't need to advertise the, the simple, simple reality. I mean, it's, it's so good. It's there anyway. And so whenever you hear somebody talking about how good they are and how they made something happen, I always think. Mm. Who are the guys and people yeah, around them? It, yeah. it, the people who actually are involved would know. They do. And I don't they need do. to know. But they would know, and mm -hmm. they're the ones that should be talking, not you. I mean, if, if so that's good. the way it really happened. Because, you know, your giftedness isn't always, it's not that, again, that you can't do things. I, I built a, for years, I, I mixed mortar for the bricklayers. When they put rocks up, we have rock four foot up on all buildings. And, and I mixed the mortar and helped them, and I watched them. Well, one day I built my own chimney at home with yeah. rock. No one ever really trained me. I just, for watched. years, I watched, and I built one. And then I learned how to do it. Now I can lay rock. You know, right. so it's not, again, that you can't acquire some of the basic right. understanding. Right. I'm still more comfortable mixing the mortar for somebody who knows what he's doing, though, mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. even laying mm -hmm. it myself. Mm -hmm. So there's something about that personality that says, no, this is what I do in life. I don't, I, I'm not the bricklayer. I'm the guy who cleans up after the bricklayer, who gets the rock, who mixes the mortar. And I'm really satisfied in that. I don't need to be the bricklayer. Yes. 
So, yes. but we do need a bricklayer. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad he's there. But if you're not, I'll lay him. It's kind of going back to honesty again. Honesty of even the position. Probably. Honesty of what's really would be effective. And, and you know what I mean? Somebody may get their feelings hurt that they're not whatever, but no, this person would be good at this. Right. And, and everybody can start um, at a menial level. Yes. And work. And what you do is you find out that you excel at something eventually. Yeah. So you can start. Uh, an artist came to me and, and was talking about where do I start? I said, just keep drawing. That's exactly right. Just keep drawing, keep painting. Yeah, but what do you do with them? I don't know, start fires eventually. I, yeah. No idea. <laughs> yeah, just keep them, keep but, them, keep going. You know, when I, years ago, I, I was convicted. I need to, to journal and just, you know, if I learn something, I have it in my mind that I have to figure out a way to give it away. I, I can't keep it. That's exactly how we get more. So it is. And so I started writing these thoughts down. And then I started this program conversations years ago with Don Shire. And when I came, I always had these thoughts that we used. And he said, where do you get those thoughts from? I said, well, I, I, it's my daily habit. I just write down. Yes. I'm, as I write, as I, my goal was I wanted to go through the whole Bible and write my thoughts. Not, not a commentary on it, not an right. exegesis, just a, yep. here are my thoughts on it. I wanted to go do every book in the Bible and just, you know, and have it like a mini uh, journal kind of thing. And he said, well, wh why don't you send those to me? I said, well, I could, but they're, again, I don't want to argue with you. Those are my thoughts. Yes. You know, I mean, I don't want to send something out and have someone say, well, why don't you think this way? And I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, here's my thoughts. Yes. On this. He said, we'll do it. Well, now I think there's, you know, 500 people that get it every day. And yes, it's, awesome. it's one of those things where it's accidental in a way, right. but it's still something that is exciting to be a part of because it's, you know, a young person will come and say, how do you get into that? I said, accidentally. Yeah. I mean, get the, get your personal habits right. And let God take it where it goes. It's so good. But not, don't say, God, here's where it has to go. Right. Just get your personal habits and right, and, and who knows. There's a lot of guys who don't, and, and ladies who don't have the impact in life until after they die. Yes. So it could be that God's waiting for you to get out of here. Yeah. And then he's going to take your <laughs> stuff and use it. So just leave it somewhere, you know? I don't know. Not my job. That's so good. That is yeah. Yeah, maybe later. Yeah. Maybe later. It'll maybe later, maybe never. Who knows? No, but it, I think everybody's life matters. Right. It has impact. Yeah. And, it, and I think yours is greatly impacting more than you will ever know. And at one point in time, you will know. Maybe you got to get out of here first. Yeah, but maybe. <laughs> no, There's things I won't write until I leave. Mm. It's, it, it, it's because of the position I have. Yes. And there'll, there'll be a time maybe where I write some things, but it, it's... I mean, things that we did here when I was a kid and that yep. kind of thing. That yep. Would probably have parents lose confidence in sending their <laughs> children up here. No, but, but that's but kind of. It's those things that yeah. as you get older, you can get away with yeah. because you have, um, you have a context to put it in. That's right. And, and everybody's uh, fine. As soon everything. as I get to the right context, I'll write some of those things. But I have to wait till I'm in the context. Yeah. Um, to make I encourage sure, you to do them, yeah. though, because they're the honesty and they're the real deal. Uh, they it's kind of like when my kids tell me things they did when they were under my roof, and they weren't bad. Yeah. They were just things like, oh, well, what None of these things are overly yeah, bad. Yeah. But, I mean, back years ago, you know, 16-year-olds were driving full vans yeah. of kids from Chicago. Yeah. That's what you did. Yeah. Well, you put a 16-year-old in that position and see how goofy he is and right. what he does. Right, so right. They're just interesting stories from many yeah. years ago that are, are, you know, today we're very guarded in how we do things because of the lawsuits and everything that take place. And, um, 
and and maybe rightfully so. I don't know. But some of it strips the fun of it in some it, ways. I enjoyed interviewing my dad at 88 because he says things that may tip people over. Yeah. But so many people find it refreshing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because he is his context is this isn't a bad thing to say or talk about or do and right. and I'm who I am and it's very refreshing actually. Yeah. Well, there are some activities even now I I tell kids, you know, you can't do this, but we used to we used to ride birches. What's that mean? Well, you the birch trees are very flexible, and, and they're, you can find the one that is the right diameter and climate. Okay. And eventually, it'll bend you down, and you can get right off on the ground. Oh, my word. It'll bend. It'll bend down, and you can just hold it with your arms up, and just it'll take you right to the ground if you climb high enough. Wow. You pick the wrong one, it snaps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you get hurt. So, because, you know, so I, I, you know, today, people look at me, you say that, and go, oh, you could be in a lawsuit. So I'm not telling anyone to do it. Right. But I used to enjoy it. Right, right. You know, I mean, I used to enjoy climbing birch trees, and yes, a few of them snapped. And yes. Yeah, you got hurt. And you learn. But, you know, but I tell kids all the time, their world right now <laughs> is so full of pretend with Hollywood and stuff. Um, when we grew up here, you know, we were here for 10 weeks in the summer, no radio, no television. And every minute of the day, we were doing something. Oh, yes. And that creates a lot of real-life stories. It sure does. Um, and now the kids, when I talk to them, they have to come up with illustrations from movies or something because they don't have any real life. They're actually living vicariously through the pretend of Hollywood. And it's like, I feel sorry for you. You don't have a life. You have their life. Yeah, 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 and yeah. And you're trying to learn through Live their your life. your own. Mm -hmm. You should really go out and um, do something on your own. And, and have some experiences of interacting with people and doing things and failing and laughing and And it's all, all kind part of, of it. It it's is. It's all such a good yep. part of it. Well, I think you have a, a book of stories coming up. Uh, one day. The, that, that's a whole yeah. other book. And you have another book that was over at the... I have four, I have actually five other books, but okay. they're written for small. Okay. They're really more of a, a trying to retrain your thinking. They were written okay. as I mentor young men. Okay. They're, it doesn't have to be men, but... One of them is, is Beyond Deception. Okay. So I take uh, 21 thoughts through the book of Jude and Second Peter. Okay. And just say, here's what Jude or Second Peter says. Here's my thought. And then I leave a couple blank pages for people to put their thoughts. Got it. Uh, because what I want them to do is get in the habit of thinking through the scriptures and thinking through issues. So I have uh, four Beyond books. One is Beyond the Resistance. Okay. Uh, because in football, I realized that if you wanted to be in the play, you have to run through the resistance. So good. So even though if I could always tell where the ball was, uh, because of the fact that four guys were running at me, yeah. the ball was right behind them. Right. So my proper response to resistance wasn't to give into it. It was run into it mm -hmm. and to break mm -hmm. it all apart. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have a book on leadership that's from Jeremiah. I mean, from, okay. uh, Nehemiah. Okay. Yep. And that's called beyond the resistance. And then there's, um, Beyond the Deception, there's Beyond the Compass Okay, is a third one. And I Beyond the Compass is, um, you know, there's a magnetic north and a true north. Mm. Uh, both of them are north. Right. But if you're on a magnetic north, which is affected by your environment. Yes. You're probably not going to go north eventually. Just so, that degree just off, a little off land in a yeah. complete different so destination. I took 21 true north statements from the Bible and just said, this is the way it is, like it or not. And adjust your life to it because this is the true north. This is the this is what you have to know. So instead of having a magnetic north, I just took twenty one. I want people to do that. Um, 
So uh, it, it's beyond the, res uh, beyond the resistance, beyond the deception. And then one is beyond the expectation. And beyond the expectation is, uh, I call it a misery gap. Let's say a young lady says, you know, I'm going to get married to this guy. He's never going to snore. He's never going <laughs> to, yeah. you know, we're going to live in a nice house in the suburbs, a two-car garage, a yeah. dog. They get married. The guy snores like crazy. They're living above their parents. They won't let him have a pet. You yeah. know, yeah. Yeah, that's the misery index, I call it. Okay. Your expectations don't meet reality. <laughs> and, and how you close that index is important oh. because there's a reality there that you should have had, but none of us have at some point in our life. And so you need a way to close the misery index without, um, without destroying life. And so I did 21 thoughts on expectations okay. that need to be in line. And then a, a book that's a little different, I wrote, is uh, Ideas Have Consequences. Mm -hmm. And they're all sh really short books because people don't read long ones. See, these are all like manuals it's almost. It's so true. Um, and beyond, uh, Ideas Have Consequences is simple. You know, if you beat your head on a rock, you get a headache. That's right. So don't pray and ask God to stop the headache at that point. The, the idea of beating your head on a rock is why you have a headache. It isn't God's way of punishing you yeah. at this point. Yeah. So for young people especially to look at my ideas are going to have consequences so I need to live within the context of the consequences or the ideas actually are going to fuel them so I need to change my idea if I don't like Amen. the consequence. This is the biggest so, part. So I wrote that again most of it's precipitated by working with Nicolette Bible Institute students and mm -hmm. I want them to understand something mm -hmm. and so I, I do it so that they can understand it. Yeah. Um, so it's that and now the My Shepherd book. And I'm thinking of doing another one with sheep. I'm not sure yet because yeah. uh, Linda and I enjoyed that and trying to keep building on the analogy. Yes, yeah, so good. Because you did the four kind of a one title. You can yeah. do something with Shepherd right. and keep going on right. that. Yeah. So it was a series that people Yeah, and that'll be appreciate. more for kids. I love teaching eight-year-olds. Yeah? I, I always think— Why did you say specifically eight-year-olds? Um, I think that's the target age for me where I say, I think everything in the Bible an eight-year-old can understand— mm -hmm. But I think it's profound enough to talk about till you're 88. I think it's you know, true. So the goal I have is to make it simple enough, God's love simple enough to understand for an eight-year-old, but be able to um, pontificate on it yes. for the rest of my life. Yes. So uh, my wife and I still run a youth club in our church, and I've been in a youth club since 1970, so it's been a lot of years. And eight-year-old is the youngest age in there, so I still teach them eight-year-olds on a regular basis because no matter how many college or radio or whatever if i can't communicate with an eight-year-old i'm missing it well jesus I, said I to come to as that. a child anyway yeah. so we can make things complicated that aren't yeah. that doesn't mean they're not profound right. they're just not complicated so everything i've said today to you is an eight-year-old should be able to grab sure because that's so. my brain because my brain able... works on an eight-year-old <laughs> level so you know i've had people say rachel you know you're not you're not super profound but you're very practical yeah that, well that. i'd like that that's right. I think we should actually have everybody be able to wade into something, but it can be very, very deep at some point. Right. So I'm, I'm really grateful for yeah. even this time with you, Dave. Yeah. I think it's been, I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, very good. I think it's been very fun. And I, I hope if there's something else that you want to touch on or something that you want to share, because it's part of who you are, I would hate if I walk out without having there be something. I don't think I know anything else. That's no. not true. We didn't You know what? Every time that. I'm done speaking, I, I feel the same way. I leave and I go. I, I hope they don't ask me to speak again because I don't know anything else. That's so nice. I know. I, this is all I know no. at this point. But then you go home and you learn more. Yeah. So, so where in Chicago? I want to know that part. Where in Chicago did you grow up? On the northwest side, right, uh, right behind Taft High School. Okay. Um, Kennedy Expressway, Northwest Highway. Yes. 
Yes. Okay. So right there, there's a two-block street behind Taft High School. My okay. house was the size of a postage stamp. Yeah. But they all are there. So. And, and you live here where yeah. your house is the... You now know. I live at the edge of the a million-acre national forest, and that's my backyard. So um, it's I can't go back to the city. No. Can't go back. It's just not in my blood. No. And there's a reason why you never left here. That's right. You know, it's yep. really good. Well, I really appreciate you. I respect you. I think you're amazing. I'm so grateful, well, seriously, for you. your time. This thanks. has been fun for me to thanks. even come in to this place and think, oh, wow, this is even better than I thought it would be. So, yeah. And I realize you're a busy man who has lots of things you could go do, dozing or uh, bossing gotta, somebody around. Doze. Or, Everyone's got a doze. Or do whatever, but I really do appreciate your time. You're welcome. So as people are maybe on a treadmill or they're out on a run or driving around listening to The Real Deal, would you just pray over whoever could be listening? Sure. And then I want to say a prayer for you if that's sure. okay. Okay, thanks, God. Father, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace and for allowing uh, moments where we can just talk about things that are true in a very simple, um, mm -hmm. God-honoring way. For those that are listening, I pray that your spirit speak to their hearts. It's so uh, amazing that you, the God, the creator, sustainer of all life, will speak to our hearts. Yeah. And so I ask you to do that and draw people to yourself. Allow them to be honest in their evaluation of their life based on the fact that you are God and they aren't and that you love them and that you sent your son, even when they were in a miserable condition, to make sure that they could not have a gap between you and them. I'm so thankful that you love us. Mm -hmm. I pray that all those that are listening will understand that you love them. They may never understand the complete scope uh, and... Uh, your your complete plan, uh, but as I tell the kids so often, I'm so thankful that you're older than I am and smarter than I am and loves mm -hmm. me. I can I can trust you, and I pray that everybody that's listening will understand that you are older than them, that you are smarter than them, that you do love them, and that you are worthy of their trust. Uh, we're thankful for the opportunity to uh, to do this podcast and look forward to seeing how you'll use it in the yeah. years to come. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. God, I'm so grateful that you love me. Thank you for being an initiator. I know that we love because you love us first. I thank you for Dave Wager. I thank you for this place, God. I thank you for the people that have come through here who will continue to come through here for the lives that are changed because of things that are done at Silver Birch Ranch and through Dave Wager's life. God, I, I thank you that you make us and you know us and that we're your masterpiece, your creation, your poem, one version says, and you've created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. And you've prepared them in advance for us to do. So I thank you for the way you've gone before, Dave, and the way that you are um, continuing to go before him in life. God, I thank you for the honesty of this podcast, that life is not always easy, but you're with us in the storm. And I thank you for um, what you want to do in and through his life. Until he, you call him home, God, I pray you'd bless his body, soul, mind, and spirit. You bless his wife and his children. And I thank you that you promise to bless to the thousandth generation those who love and serve you. And so I'm grateful. Just leave a blessing on this place, God, and I thank you for everybody listening. And I celebrate who they are because they're made in your image. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dave. You're welcome. It's been good. Thank you. Okay. You've been listening to The Real Deal with me. Rachel Inouye, helping people celebrate their significance and the genius of God in them. Audio engineering by my husband, Michael Inouye. Thanks, babe. Theme music by Andrew Grace.